I'll invite you to find Colossians chapter 1 in your Bibles. So I had sent out a notice requesting everybody really try to be here for four Sundays starting last week. And then a hurricane swept through last week and prevented most of us from being together. So we just sort of ratcheted everything forward. I gave a little teaser sermon last week, but we'll really begin this week on on these four sermons. And to, to get started... I want you to think ahead five years. So just think ahead five years. It's, it's now the year, what would that be? 2023. Uh, is that right? Is my math right? Public math is terrifying. It's like public spelling. This is 2023. I'm now 41 years old. Meredith is an unspecified age. Elias is 17. Lillian is 14. Five years from now, what is going on in your life five years from now, do you think? What would be, what will, what will be different about you five years from now? Now, this is church, and we're thinking about the things of Christ, so let's think spiritually. What will be different about you spiritually five years from now? Do you think you'll be more mature as a Christian? And in what way? What might be different about Doolin's Grove Church in five years? Do you think that we will have grown in some ways? What, what might it look like in 2023? I have hopes. I hope that in five years our church is gaining traction in terms of evangelism and discipleship and missions. I hope that uh, we have a, a growing culture among us of personal evangelism as just a way of life, not necessarily as a program. And that we are making disciples on, in all different ways and different layers of our life together as a church, that people have mentors in the faith and they're growing, that they have younger Christians that they're helping to grow and to mature, that they have people in mind that they're praying for in their workplaces and families and neighborhoods, that they're praying to receive the good news of Jesus Christ and be saved, and they're looking for opportunities to share the gospel with them. I hope that we are, are getting clarity on what our role in international missions is as a church. We give, we participate by giving to Penny Crusade, and praise God, our giving this year, the highest in, I don't know how many years, Dawn said, but I forgot, but a long while, it's great, and but maybe, maybe in five years, the Lord will have shown us how we directly maybe would be more involved in missions. I hope these things, I pray for these things. And as I've been praying for these things, it seemed evident to us all, I think, as a church that the starting place to move that direction has been to think about what it means to be part of the church together. That's what we've been doing all summer. That's what the membership Sunday school class that I taught was about. That's what the Sunday evening uh, gatherings were about. And we centered the, the thinking about what it means to be the church together around four questions. And these are the four questions that are going to make up these four sermons. The first one today is, who is Jesus? You have to start there. And the second one, what is a Christian? And then what is church? And then what is a church member? Those are the four questions, one per week. This week, who is Jesus? And we're going to read Colossians 1, 15 through 20. This passage teaches that Jesus is the center, and that'll become clearer what I mean as we go, but Jesus is the center. It means he, he is the point from which all things are directed, 
And he is the point to which all things are focused. Jesus is the point from which all things are directed and to which all things are focused. It is all about Jesus. That's what this passage is going to teach us. The Bible teaches that you can't understand how to be a human being if you don't see reality this way, that Jesus is the center. Much less can we understand what it means to be part of his church if we don't see reality this way, that Jesus is the center of reality. I told Aunt Becky that I was going to mention her during the sermon, and and she, I'm sure, has been wondering what this is about. But I I don't know if you remember, but when we got married, we had a, a tree at the reception that had little cards hanging from it, and people could write a little note of advice on there. And I'm pretty sure it was your card. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but it said, stay centered. Do you have any recollection of this? Might not even have been yours, but I always thought it was yours. It's one of the only cards I actually remember. It just said, stay centered. Okay. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We're going to stay centered. We're going to recenter. It may be that you have been knocked off center in your life. And it may be that we as a church have in ways gotten knocked off center we're going to recenter on Jesus Christ, who is the center this morning. And we'll begin just by reading the passage. We start in verse 15. A little bit of context for what's going on here. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians living in a city named Colossae. He didn't plant this church. He had never been there. But he cared about this church. One of his protégés had been ministering to them and was reporting back that there was a false teaching beginning to integrate into the church, threatening the church. And we don't know exactly what the false teaching was, but we know that it was tempting them to think about Jesus in a lesser way. It was tempting them to think of Jesus as just one of many spiritually beneficial resources, not the one central spiritual resource. And so Paul is writing to say, no, Jesus is the unparalleled center of creation, and Jesus is the unparalleled center of the church. So let's read it together, and then we'll walk through it. Verse 15, he, which is referring to the Son, Jesus Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. There is a lot in there. What I just want you to notice right now, somewhat quickly, are the five things that Paul points out that Jesus is. His overall point is that Jesus is the center of reality, And he points out five specific things that Jesus is. Let's go back to verse 15 and just observe them together. First, in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. This is what we talked about last week. He is the perfect representation of God because he is God with us. 
He is God in flesh. He is God in human form. There is no saint, no angel, no guru, no teacher, no leader, no author, no personality on television, no self-help expert anywhere close to Jesus Christ, who is the perfect representation of God in human form. The second thing Paul points out, still in verse 15, he is the firstborn of all creation. Now, this is referring to his position. This isn't referring to him being the very first thing created. It's referring to the fact that he is supreme over all creation. Everything else in creation is beneath him in value and in glory. He is firstborn over all creation. This is spelled out in verse 16. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So these other spirits and other spiritual resources that the Colossians were turning to to receive some benefit, and, and they were thinking were kind of on par with Jesus in terms of their importance and their value. Paul is saying, there's no way. All created things were created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. To put anything on the same level as Jesus is folly and sin and insanity. There is no parallel to Jesus. The third thing he points out in verse 17, and he is before all things. In other words, he takes precedent over all things, both in status and in sequence. He is the rhyme and reason for all things. He goes on, in him all things hold together. He is the glue, the logic that holds all of reality together. In some mysterious way, it is all about Jesus. He is the core that all of reality orbits around. Fourth thing he points out in verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. That means he is the origin of the church. He is the source of the church. He is the commander of the church. You know, if you're a pastor like me, you read a lot about church growth it's everywhere, the Christian bookstores, blogs, podcasts, how to get your church to grow. Well, I found the secret of church growth. It's in the book of Colossians. And you can read it if you flip over one page. And it's beautiful. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 19, this is the secret of church growth. I'm going to be staging conferences and seminars all around the world that I've discovered this. Holding fast to the head. And who is the head? Is it Matt Broadway? Is Matt Broadway the head of the church? Well, that's a no-brainer. Jesus Christ, holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Grows with a growth that is from God. That's the kind of growth we want. We want the kind of growth that comes when we rightly connect to Jesus Christ as our head and he nourishes us spiritually and we all begin to work and function together in a healthy way and we grow with a growth that is from God. He is the head of the body of the church. And then finally, the fifth thing he points out, still in verse 18, he is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. 
Here, this reference to firstborn is a reference to sequence. He was the first one to be resurrected. And he is the reason resurrection is possible for all of us. Jesus. Jesus is all of these things. What's Paul's point at the end of verse 18? That in everything, Jesus might be preeminent, which means supreme, first, first place. Or in our language of this sermon, the center. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is first. Jesus is the center. And we must live accordingly. This must be the reference point from which we understand everything else. What does this have to do with us, this ancient letter, this ancient paragraph? Well, they were tempted, as I mentioned, to seek spiritual nourishment from other spiritual sources like angels and visions and things like that, we think. And they were putting those on the same level as Jesus. Now, we might be tempted to do similar things like that. We might be tempted to consult horoscopes or mediums or New Age spirituality things that Oprah tells us about. We might be tempted to do something with crystals and energies and um, types of meditation that open us up to spiritual realities. We may be tempted to those things, but knowing our church pretty well, I don't think those things hold a great deal of sway over us. If they do, or if if they ever come knocking, don't bother. You have Jesus Christ. I think for us, more likely, our temptation is to just allow something else to become the center of our understanding of reality, to allow something else to become the center of our lives. So let's ask ourselves, what is at the center of my life? What is at the center of your life? What is the center reference point from which you make your decisions? What is the central reference point from which you prioritize? What is the central reference point from which you understand the reality around you? Think of it in a different way. If an alien plopped down from outer space, doesn't know anything about human culture, doesn't know anything about anything, and they're just scientifically observing you specifically, you are the specimen, and they're just going to follow you around for a year just observing this one human, and they go report back to their, their head aliens, and they say, well, from what I can see, based on following this individual for a year, this is what is most important to them. What would it be? Just based on behavior. Verse 16 there outlines the the things that are created by, through, and for Jesus. I think you could easily slot in there other things than what is actually there. I think you could replace those with things more relevant to us and it still hold true. For by him all things were created, whether family, or America, or work, or self. All things were created through him and for him. 
Letting anything else take the center place is as dangerous to us as atheism would be. It gets us, us just as far away from the truth as outright denial that God even exists at all. To say I'm a Christian, but live with Jesus Christ anywhere but in the center is just as dangerous. And we can see from this letter some of the results. If, if we allow anything else to replace Jesus as the center, I think we'll experience some of the same things that the Colossians may have been experiencing. If you look in the paragraph above, Paul lays out what he's praying for for them. And I think in there is a hint at some of the things he was concerned about for them. So I'm not going to read it, but you can follow along and see what I'm talking about. If we allow anything else to become the centerpiece of our life, we will likely lack knowledge of God's will. We'll probably just blindly follow the American dream, house, cars, kids, ball, retirement, boat, build our lives around that. We'll likely lack spiritual wisdom and understanding. We will reason with the same wisdom that our non-Christian neighbors reason with. We'll likely walk in a manner unworthy of the Lord. In chapter 3, we see how this worked itself out for the Colossians. And they were allowing things like sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, anger, wrath, slander to, come, to become part of the way they lived. If we allow anything else to become center, we'll likely lack fruit, which in this sense is referring to good work, good works. There again in chapter 3, the kinds of things Paul was hoping to see them regain as they recentered on Jesus was compassion, kindness, humility, meekness. Patience, bearing with one another in love. We'll likely lack knowledge of God, meaning relationship with God. We won't be close to Him. We'll likely be spiritually weak, unable to endure spiritual attack, unable to be patient. We'll likely lack gratitude. We will likely lack Christian maturity. And this is why we have to start here with who is Jesus in order to move forward, to be healthy together, to move forward into evangelism and discipleship and missions. We have to always start and then revisit who is Jesus. So is Jesus the center of your life? Is Jesus the center in your heart? Is he the point from which all things are directed and to which all things are focused? Another way to look at it, if you're a student, are you a student who happens to be a Christian or are you a Christian who happens to be a student? It's subtle, but the distinction is important. Are you a retiree who happens to be a Christian or are you a Christian who happens to be a retiree? Are you a homeowner who happens to be a Christian? Or are you a Christian who happens to be a homeowner? Do you see how that would make it different? We'll use an example of um, a child of aging parents. Okay, so the question would be, are you a child of aging parents who happens to be a Christian? Or are you a Christian who happens to be a child of aging parents? The first way, if you're 
a child of aging parents, oh, and also I'm a Christian, the demands and stress of caring for your aging parents can compete with your allegiance to Jesus Christ and crowd out your time for word and prayer and involvement in church and eventually become maybe of the same level of importance in your life or even at least louder until Jesus is far from center, he's off on the periphery. Now contrast that with thinking, I am a Christian who happens to be a child of aging parents. See how that recasts it all? Now, instead of crowding out time for Christ, you're recognizing that the fact that I'm a child of aging parents is by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. This is my opportunity to obey Jesus Christ and to convey the love of Christ to my mom, to my dad. So to put Jesus at the center doesn't mean you have to go and be a monk up in the hills and get rid of every other aspect of your life. It means that everything in your life begins to be in its correct orbit around Jesus. And you can understand it for, for what it is. For you, is it, is it Jesus and anything else? Is there anything else at the same level in your mind as Jesus? Jesus and motherhood. Jesus and work. Jesus and hobbies. Or is it motherhood by, through, and for Jesus? Work by, through, and for Jesus. Hobbies by, through, and for Jesus. What needs to shift to put Jesus in the center? I think we're growing in these things. I think we have a ways to go. We always will. So let's picture again five years in the future. But let's imagine that right here and right now, God did a work in our hearts and he firmly established Jesus right at the center of our hearts immovably. However, we may have strayed from that. And we live that way five years now into the future. It's 2023 again. According to Colossians, I believe that if we do keep Jesus at the center, we will see that we are growing in our knowledge of God's will. We are growing in spiritual wisdom and understanding. We are growing to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We are abounding increasingly in fruit, the fruit of good works. We are growing in our relationship, our closeness with God. We are growing in spiritual strength. We are growing in gratitude and we are maturing as Christians. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to invite non-Christians into as people become Christians. And it starts with remembering who Jesus is and keeping him at the center. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace toward us because we are always shifting away. The, the tides of this world are heavy and strong and they pull us and push us and tug us and I'm grateful for this weekly rhythm of coming back and recentering together on Christ. Lord, please establish him in our hearts, in our worldview, in our system of thinking as the center. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.